Welcome to a special Chinese New Year edition of the PI Podcast, Political Investigations for the Palagi Inis and the Perpetually Irate. I'm your host, Matt, and with me is my co-host, Tashi Shuishang, the Jiaoda, and Tashi Yibian, and Tashi Wodapan. What the hell? Borge. I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> PI nyo, PI nating lahat. Anyway. Board here at your service. Kalamo. <laughs> well, clearly we both speak a bit of Mandarin, so yeah. But it's I'm just uh, sticking with the occasion, you know. And of course, <laughs> we're recording this on the eve of Chinese New Year. Gongxi Fa Cai, which is Gongxi Fa Cai. What does it mean again? I, I think it's Cantonese. More money. No, Gongxi Fa Cai. The Gongxi Fa Cai is Cantonese, I think. Oh, Gongxi Fa. Gongxi Fa Cai is, I don't know, is it Mandarin? There's hardly any difference, really. No, Mandarin just... is Jin Yin Kuai Le. Oh, Jin Yin Kuai Le is oh, yeah, much yeah. simpler. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jin Yin Kuai Le. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, Christ. See, it's quite complicated, you know, China has, yeah, China is such a, you know, such a complicated culture. It's very difficult, in fact. And uh, today uh, is a special episode. Um, we waited a bit longer, and sorry for the delay, because mm. we are both uh, in our finals week, you know, finishing up grades of our students. So, so yeah. uh, how's checking papers? Oh, my God. It's uh, both rewarding and at the same time so ta taxing, you know? <laughs> soul draining. But, you know, uh, you win some, well, it's, it's a mix of good and bad, you know, but you take the good, you know, at least people learn from you. And for those, uh, but those who aren't as good, well, uh, they're not your problem anymore. So, uh, uh, but yeah, in, in a nutshell, is a mixed bag. Yeah. In a nutshell, you? bad papers can reduce our lifespan. <laughs> oh my God. Some can outright kill you. And I bet you've killed a few with your own. <laughs> uh, checking. Uh, it's the first time I've checked and graded papers. For five years, I think. First time after five years. So oh, that's, yeah. Uh, For me, it's four years. So, yeah. Welcome uh -huh. change of pace. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this time, we are back and talking yeah. about, like uh, again, a special holiday, but something we know a bit intimately. And we're talking about China. Yep. Uh, how do you say China? Zhongguo. 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 Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's our meager attempt at Chinese, but you know it's our it's our way of trying to understand. So uh, yeah. tell me, uh, since both of us are actually students of uh, Shanghai Jiao Tong University, woo Jiao Da, Jiao Da, Jiao Jiao Da, we actually have a bit of in insight because we've stayed for about like three to four years. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For you, it's like four, four years. years. For me, it's yeah, three years. years yeah. in Mm -hmm. So what can you say about, you know, about China itself? You know, it's a very, we have a tense relationship with, uh, you know, our Philippines and China. But what can you say about yeah, China yeah. being there for well, five, four or five years? Okay, yeah. Okay, life in China. Well, again, we lived in Shanghai, which is cosmopolitan city. It's not so much Chinese, but it is China. It is the cosmopolitan side of China. It is the modern Modern, not not really progressive, but uh, I think it's more foreigner-friendly place. <laughs> they mm -hmm. they they just left us alone, really, at, in Shanghai, at the very mm -hmm. least. But uh, yeah, one, one thing about okay, one since we're discussing our complicated relationship with China, 
one experience mm-hmm. that I can share just to start with would be the marriage market. Marriage market no. in the people's park. Basically Tinder, but in real life. Tinder, but and your instead of mother. You playing, yeah, your parents are, <laughs> are playing or are swiping for you. So it's yep. funny, yeah. That's basically that. And we go on. So yeah, uh, wait, have you been there? Yeah, you've been there, right? Uh, a few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very entertaining. I remembered one time mm-hmm. I went there. So roaming around, just roaming around. And uh, one of the parents asked, uh, Nishi, Fair, you've been Renma. So if I, if I bin Ranma. yeah, Feidubin Ranma. They were asking, are you Filipino? Like, yeah, and I said, yeah, shida, shida, shida. And then they said, no. <laughs> so I got rejected by parents. Buyao, buyao. I've, been, I, I've been collecting rejections all my life, and that is the most amusing. <laughs> oh my god, it's in another language. So not only are you rejected here, but you're rejected in mainland China and <laughs> someone's someone else's parent. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, someone else's parent. Oh yeah, but it's funny. It's a it's a weird thing because they ask questions. Not, nothing to do with love, but more like how much is your salary or how like what's your job, like <laughs> how many houses or cars do you have. So it's a very like financial transaction. It's quite fascinating. Are you a Shanghai resident? Are, are you a Shanghai resident? Huko, so huko. A Shanghai huko. Yeah, a huko is like an internal passport in uh, yeah. mainland China. If you're a city person, you need a huko. If you're, so, if you want to go from the countryside or from the rural area, if you're from the province, you know, mm. a lot of people from the province here just go in and out, plain mm. and simple. But here, you need a document, just a huko. Yep. So it's really fascinating. So yeah, uh, but what about the relationship? Uh, there's already like a spicy uh, interaction there. You know, mm. like there's subtext. Like they know you're Filipino, <laughs> and they <laughs> they reject you right out. Not it's not it has nothing to do with your looks or your <laughs> job or your quirks or personality, but really it's the fact you're Filipino. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you think that has something to do with like your international relations, or do that. they know they do? what? What is the reputation of Filipinos in mainland China by your? The, like by your impression i think uh for those who are exposed to more foreigners i don't think they care if, you, if they're exposed mm. to foreigners i don't think they care right. uh but again those more ordinary chinese again they 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 get their information from the news and as far as chinese mm-hmm. news are concerned what is the philippines the philippines is first and foremost a supplier of bananas second <laughs> we are oh, yeah. a beach destination so mm-hmm. those are the top two things I think whenever they hear the word Filipino or whenever they talk about the Philippines, they would talk about bananas and beach. <laughs> so we are literally a banana republic to them. But, so, yeah. you know, I can, I can confirm because in case you and I, like, you and I were homesick, we would just mm. uh, go to the local fruit store and yeah, there's yeah. from, like, from uh, bananas from Davao and, yeah. um, I say, Dole, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating, and ours is the best apparently. Well, yep. with a close second, the Thai bananas, and of course they we, they all, we we also supply them with durians, you know, which is funny, mm-hmm. it's a, a weird exotic fruits. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and and I think the, the another thing that kind of was a source of contention years back before the pandemic was them going uh, coming here a lot, and you know, mm. a huge wave of tourism like. Not just the Philippines, but everywhere else. Mm-hmm. When they come here, they would be known to, to I don't know, uh, to leave their trash around. They'd be rude. They'd be mm-hmm. shouting and all that. Yeah, uh, and that and that somewhat affected our, our perception of them, you know, because a yeah. lot of these, 
uh, a lot of these tourists are actually the new middle class. They yeah. have all this spare income, and yeah. now they have all this money. And so they what they do to spend it is they go not just to the Philippines, but they go to Thailand, Vietnam, yeah. even sometimes the Europe. And yep. this has made a how you say a common trend of like Chinese people be, like making the news. Mm. You know, Chinese it, tourists. Oh yeah, Chinese tourists. But the, at the heart of it, I think um, perhaps, and this is the main question for the, today's podcast, which is like, why mm. do we have a dysfunctional relationship with China? And so we're going to talk about that for today. Um, so yeah, let's get started. The, starting with, I mean, we talked about these impressions, mm. but um, do you think that we're in a way connected with China besides, of course, today's politics and globalization? Okay. Because, uh... Yeah, go ahead. Regarding that one, I think China right now is serving the purpose of being the great other for mm-hmm. many societies, including the Philippines, for many mm-hmm. societies. Our problem is that they're not totally the great other because they have been part of our history for a long time. So that's a, that's mm-hmm. a difference. It's a difference. So, and I think that more, that is a trait that we share with our South. Southeast Asian neighbors, because China mm-hmm. is also part of their histories. So yes, uh, even if they're the great other, they're they're not totally separate from us, and th- th- I right. think that, that's a key point we c- we can start with. So what are our right. ties with China? China's mm-hmm. well, the thing is, we if we talk about China, we must separate uh, again. I think I'm doing a favor to our Filipino Chinese friends. Uh, we right. must separate first Filipino Chinese and mainland Chinese. We must make right. that distinction, and then we must make mm-hmm. a distinction between interacting with Chinese culture and with the Chinese government, with Beijing. So those are two different issues that we can tackle, mm-hmm. and also looking at interacting with different types of Chinese. I mean, oh, right. different types. Different types. I mean, there are uh, types of Chinese. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> fine, fine. It may be racist to say that they look alike, but. <laughs> oh. But they're I, fundamentally different, yeah. Is that uh, what you're saying? It's not. It's not okay. I, I think I can focus more on their orientation and their exposure to foreigners. So that's one orientation. Thing. Or, that's private. That's personal. No focus. <laughs> what do you mean orientation? Or, or not really orientation. Okay. Uh, exposure. Exposure to foreigners. Mm-hmm. I think the the Chinese uh-huh. who are more exposed to foreigners, they're the ones who are friendlier. That's one thing. They're more cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. But the, those who are not, and mm. they're the ones that I think we find utterly rude or dysfunctional mm-hmm. when they enter in our societies. So, right. but you know, that's one and thing. Ha- yeah. yeah. And uh, I think one last thing, the Chinese, they play this role of being the great other because the, they bring their culture with them. They, they bring mm. their habits and their practices wh- wherever they go, even if they're tourists. Mm. That's why they only right. go to Chinese restaurants. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's <clears throat> funny. Uh, and I think uh, just to, uh, add to your point on you know um, on us being connected. Yeah, in fact, uh, the first time I went to China, you know, yeah. in Shanghai years ago, 2016, yeah. I just noticed that when I was in the train, not only did it smell of like noodles, like literally <laughs> smelled like noodles, but also like the people the people around you, they kind like you'd always find a slightly more Chinese version of people you know like i i saw <laughs> three people look like my own father my dad <laughs> i saw three more people who looked like our seniors from de la salle i won't say which <laughs> i've seen like chinese version of our friends and i've also seen like 
and if you've been to other countries, you'd see that there's again like Cambodians, Vietnamese, Thai. I mean, it's not racist. Like it's somewhat. I, I don't want to say it's racist, but you see the like the similarities mm. of the common Oriental features. You know, mm. uh, you, th- there's this old adage that almost everyone is. Uh, in the world, at least in the Eastern Hemisphere, is descended from uh, Genghis Khan. But in the middle between Genghis Khan and today, perhaps the, the middle is like China. And on the, that, on the on your point on the different kinds of China, different orientations, funny thing is that there is actually somewhat of a, if you notice, there's a bit of a hierarchy mm. depending on what kind of uh, like Chinese you speak. There used to be this thing where mm. Hokkien used to be like the old, old older, rich Chinese you know, Hokkien. Mm. If you notice, it's like, um, and the Cantonese mm. are more of like either the, I don't know, Southwest Chinese or the Hong Kong Chinese, which mm. are, the, the, well, of course, originated of Pancit Canton, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> I'll double check on that. And number, number two, also, I think they're a bit of like the, well, more financially um, affluent uh, Chinese mm. and they speak Cantonese. Um, and I think Hokkien uh, going back to that, come to think of it, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but there are a lot of like last names that are Hokkien, if I'm not mistaken. I'll double check that. Um, in fact, things like Sison, Dizon, I think my middle name, my mother's maiden name is Dizon, and Dizon is mm. actually a Hokkien name, or is it Fukien? Oh, I think it's Fukien. You know, see, it's, it's there's so many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll double check on that, but it's a, um, yeah, it, it means second son, I think. So mm-hmm. even in these, how you say, cultural markers, like our last names and uh, genetic similarities, you could find our connection to China. But the thing mm. is, similar to like perhaps being embarrassed by sometimes our parents in our adolescence, you know, trying to establish our own identity, and especially when they're being overbearing, I think there's, that's where the tension lies, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of our ancestors, whether we like it or not, are actually more or less Chinese, <laughs> you know. Don't you yeah. have uh, Chinese well, I, lineage? I, I do have Chinese lineage. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, re- regarding right. that one, okay, just a clarification again. Uh, well, genetics—that's a—that's way beyond the scope of our <laughs> of our podcast. Right. But I think we right. can discuss uh, more or less cultural and historical relations which had been going on, and this I think is driven by trade. So that's one thing that mm-hmm. marks, of course, China as Mark. distinct. Mm. And something that places the Chinese closer to the European Jews because their connection Ooh. is primarily economic. Right. In fact, if you look at the history books, like there's always a, like a, Chinese, a bunch of Chinese merchants and fishermen mm-hmm. uh, who are or like a fixture in the ports. Mm. See, that's where they're. Uh, that's where they're mostly they mostly thrive you mm. know they sell their wares on during the ports mm. and sometimes in the capital especially even in uh imperial manila you know they're mm. actually in fact the first chinatown was uh, an imperial ghetto where mm. the spanish who were our imperial how you say superior or imperial authorities mm. they would always put the chinese into this ghetto which is <laughs> to, known today as binondo if i'm am I right yeah and i think it was you who told me this years ago but they would r- routinely shoot cannonballs into <laughs> binondo just because you know just to too many them. chinese this is too many chinese too many chinese but the funny thing about binondo is that eventually it, even in the imperial times 
it became known as the financial center of Imperial Manila. Event. Yeah, mm-hmm. so a lot of banks were located there. So take that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no matter how you su- how much you suppress them, they always find a way to find money and get rich. Hence, crazy rich <laughs> Asians. <laughs> so yeah, that's a broad stroke. But yeah, uh, what do you think about this? Um, how you say, uh, historic connection? It's deeply rooted in our veins, whether you like it or not. I mean, mm. to this day, I mean, we still have cultural markers like you know Chinese restaurants, Shopao, Shomai, Tsikanton, <laughs> and especially right now the holiday which is cuisine of Tikoy, what you call that? You know, Chowking, yeah, North re- re- Park. Re- yeah. Regarding Shopao, I have been in Shanghai for four years. Right. I never ate a single Shopao there. Mm. <laughs> but- <laughs> No, should, oh, no, I don't think so. No, it's Shopo called Bowser, isn't it? Bowser, it? Bowser, but it, isn't Bowser is a different one. It's mm. a different one. Uh, it's it's a meat sandwich between two Shopao-like bread. <laughs> but it's not Shopao-like. Well, I think it's a regional variant. You know, in eh. mostly in mainland China, it's more common known as Bowser. But I think the one that came to the Philippines is uh, from, I think, again, like most things, it's from the Xi'an province. You know, so hey, yeah. Look, may, if you know, may lumpia Shanghai ba Shanghai? Have you? Nakaka, ah, nakain lumpia. Oh my God! Okay, that's a different thing. Technically, the the spring roll that we're talking about that we know in the Philippines is actually not from Shanghai. It's actually just a name given to it eventually you know uh, <laughs> by the people selling it you know just to add how you say just to add uh exoticism i suppose yeah you know, i just think so. add a brand it's branding basically shanghai uh <laughs> shanghai rolls lumpiang shanghai so yeah mm. it's it's a lie lumpiang shanghai is a lie so yeah it's definitely spring rolls you know but yeah that's it's actually kind of weird um so yeah, uh, you were saying about that, <laughs> the food there, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Only a travel, amazing. travel vlog, <laughs> or travel <laughs> podcast. Walang yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to politics. <laughs> okay, back to politics. Now regarding China's uh, emphasis on trade and economics, I think this is crucial to understanding China right now and China, what China mm. was as an empire, and right. uh, what China is right now as a superpower, which is again their focusing on economics. Again, their, their policy is not to interfere in someone else's politics. All, mm-hmm. they're, all they're doing is to trade, extract resources. They would interfere in politics if and only if it more or less bothers their economic ties. So that's one thing. Is, is that what it's called like Tianxia? Which is like under heaven. Well, in Chinese, no, all under, under heaven. All, yeah, all under heaven. Tianxia. Which is basically a, an old tributary system wherein, you know, they don't really... Uh, how you say ha- di- govern directly the local authorities mm. uh, as long as they give tribute uh, then you know everything's all right you know mm. so I think that's that's the new hegemonic uh, concept that they are mm. like reinvigorating to today's I think politics that yeah. uh, well this history speak historically speaking I think that separates Chinese or Asiatic imperialism let's just say Chinese because uh, right. the Indian subcontinent would have its own system but I think that would right. separate that from the Roman imperialist schema because the Roman Empire mm. is extractive it sought to integrate all provinces into itself 
mm-hmm. while in China, well, it expanded, but it's a bit more loose as an empire. Mm-hmm. It's economically driven, and the imperial system in China is different. In the imperial right. system in China, what you do is, uh-huh. yes, you said the tributary system, which for our listeners, right. just a background for the tributary system. You mm-hmm. pay tribute to Beijing or to the emperor. No, not, not to mm. Beijing. Okay, to the emperor. You pay tribute to the right. emperor so that you can conduct trade. So that's mm-hmm. that's 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 uh, if if you if your tribute gets rejected, then that means you're fucked. You cannot trade with the Chinese. But uh, if mm. your tribute is accepted, then that is the start of trade relations. Uh-huh. Uh, that's one thing. Mm. See, that's funny. Um, the, I mean, it's a very hands-off approach, like what you said uh, mm. of governance and empire. Like they don't really impose their laws as, but what they particularly offer, you know, mm. uh, is really. Uh, trade a lot of things that cannot really be found anywhere Mm. else Mm. but in these days it can can be found literally everywhere Mm. like how there's used to be like this they used to have like command or monopoly of Mm. certain things like paper Mm. uh, fireworks literally the old expression fine china the Mm. porcelain uh, porcelain dishes Mm. now that's easily pirated and like I would say bootlegged yeah basically the Europeans bootlegged it oh exactly but back in the day yeah they offered so many like precious products Mm -hmm. and I think that's what made uh, that's primarily the engine of like their global power global influence Mm -hmm. basically trade Uh, and of course the speciality of their of their culture and eventually Mm -hmm. and established Chinatowns everywhere Mm -hmm. uh, they put down their roots and they managed to produce the uh, produce it here in their country. Like we know that you can find all the best Chinese food mm. uh, in the Chinatowns, you know, everywhere. Whether it be in yeah. Los Angeles, San Francisco, yeah. uh, London, there's always yeah, there's always that. So that's partly the how they embed in the world mm. co- or global consciousness. Mm. Yeah, but again, they they embed. Yeah, they do embed. They try to be a part of a society, but they are still. And I think this is deliberate. They're mm. deliberately a sore thumb. So mm-hmm. they don't integrate and mix. They integrate as basically a distinct feature in a certain society. That's why you have Chinatown. Mm-hmm. That's why they're concentrated in a certain place. And mm-hmm. I think this is deliberate. They, they want to keep, they want to bring China wherever they go. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. They, they, they want to bring their, their, their habits, their practices, their social networks mm-hmm. wherever they go. That's why they have Chinatowns. By the way, just, right. a, clarifi- just a clarification, uh, the, the notion of China is a modern invention, something that mm-hmm. we need to clarify from our, for our listeners. It's a modern invention. Chongguo, the Middle Kingdom, it's, the middle. Yeah. It's, it's, supposedly, it, it's supposed to tie the ancient with the modern, it, but it's a modern mm-hmm. invention. China was right. never called China. <laughs> mm-hmm. China. China was called, or that place was called whatever the dynasty is. Ruling, so so it's the Xin Dynasty. So the the Qing, the Daming, the Qing. Yeah, so the Qin they want to trace China back to that. That's why they invented the common notion of a Chungguo from China. Right. uh, Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. modern. Yeah, uh, that's a very important point. Speaking of like, well, bringing China wherever they go, mm. they also kind of, you're right in saying that they restrict access to it. And unless you, you want access to it, you need to either pay up or sometimes, mm. 
eventually will also prove yourself to be Chinese. Like, you know, this common, uh, well, I think this common popular culture term, the Great Wall. May crush kang chinita o chinito, di ba? Kailangan mo maging chick. Yeah, the Great Wall. You have to be Chinese also, you know. It's like, oh, like I have an ancestor who was part Chinese, etc. You know? So you have to prove to yourself that you're Chinese ancestry. But come to think of it, I think a lot of us, whether we like it or not, have ties to China and mm-hmm. we just simply forgot. But that does not necessarily, I mean, and of course we have to establish that and respect that connection, mm. but that doesn't always justify what's been going on right yeah. now, you know, and I think that's what we have to figure out. And um, so we're co- definitely culturally connected and economically connected, but eventually the feel like, uh, and right, right now there's a bit of xenophobia and anger, particularly mm under the Duterte administration, wherein they more or less both kowtow, literally, mm. um, to Beijing, but and also do nothing to um, balance or to curb what China has been doing, whether it be through the uh, South China Sea or West mm. Philippine Sea, however you like to call it, yeah. um, in, in the, uh, that territorial dispute that mm. has been, we won't discuss like in full here, but it's yeah. been, it's just an issue. Or even the influx of Chinese uh, yeah. immigrants here, like they just come in droves, and there's no control over that. So, yeah. in terms of like, so what can you say about this particular like political, like political maneuvering in relationship in the particularly the age of the Belt and Road, you know? But oh, yeah, it's a charm offensive. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And there seems to keep, be keen on jumping on that. So what do you think about that? Okay, well, first and foremost, it is dysfunctional. It is a dysfunctional relationship because it is lopsided. We're not even part of the original plan for the maritime road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not part of it. And yeah. uh, our economic relation mm-hmm. with China is not, it's not as rosy as many apologists would say as far as data it's is sub-optimal. concerned. Yeah, yeah, as far as data is concerned, uh, I'll linked it up, but according to Idris and Kamaruddin, they gathered data on China's outward FDI towards mm-hmm. ASEAN countries from 2004 to 2012. The Philippines mm-hmm. is not really a top recipient of FDI from China. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indonesia is getting more, way more, way right. more FDI from China along with our neighbors. The, the Philippines is the lowest, one of the lowest along mm-hmm. with uh, Malaysia to an extent, recipients of FDI right. from China. And uh, mm-hmm. regarding trade, same uh, from Idris and Kamaruddin, uh, the Philippines is also, it's, it's, we are not the top trade partner of China uh, among mm-hmm. ASEAN countries as far as 2013, right. 2013 data is concerned. But uh, mm-hmm. politically speaking, you know, I think this is the, the trick to understand China. China, as I've said earlier, is the, the great other right now. It's serving as mm-hmm. the great other. So, but we must recognize the fact that China, to an extent, is similar to the Philippines, or we are similar to China before it became great. China was impoverished. China was bullied by its neighbors. Well, let's say China during the Cold War. China was bullied by the Soviet Union. And Mm -hmm. uh, again, China was poor, so on and so forth. But unlike the Philippines, China stood up against foreigners and that's basically, I, th- I think that's, that's one thing why China respects countries like Indonesia and Vietnam more. Because? They, they, they can stand up against Beijing. Uh-huh. While we, mm-hmm. we, well, Duterte. Kowtow. Yeah. 
so I mean, there's a lot of interesting things you said there. Um, like, well, first, there's a lot we have in common, actually, like what you said. Mm. The um, and the, and the thing is, that, I mean, there's and I think from there we can actually find a connection, you know, like mm. but, and if we made the right choices, because. Um, in contrast to how Indonesia and Vietnam has responded, you know, like like what you said, that they are uh, they're fighting back. Mm. Uh, for some reason, uh, by Duterte's logic, you have to do what they say. You know, let let Xi Jinping walk first in the uh, time where Xi Jinping uh, visited uh, the Philippines, mm. uh, out like when he was outrunning him, outpacing him. Oh my God! So according to Duterte, that probably might be a good way to get in his good side. Mm. But uh, getting on his good side doesn't necessarily earn respect. Um, so that's interesting. Um, the, but the thing is, I think despite all this bullying, mm. ever even before Xi Jinping, even before Duterte, even mm. before the South China Sea, I think ever since, um, in the Philippine consciousness, mm. the Chinese has always been a symbol for strength and prosperity. And, you know, literally, it, it means old money. Besides, of course, the mestizos. Eventually, of course, um, if you look at the top ten richest families or you know individuals, I think the only Filipino there is Manny Villar, but mm. the rest are like Shuko, you know, and the Henry C's family, uh, and of course the Spanish mestizo Ayala. But the, mm. all the rest of the people in the list, etc. So it's mm. like, so I th and even during the nineties, especially, um, like we. Uh, there's a trend wherein the Chinese individuals who are not necessarily rich would be kidnapped and would mm. be asked for like millions of dollars of ransom money. So, which is like, yeah. So, I think, do you think there's a connection between this symbol of strength and right now and the our well, our perception of China now? You know, uh, how can we balance our approach to China? Right. How do you think? How how can we balance? You just ask answer my question with a question. <laughs> Uh, uh, how do we balance? Well, the thing is, we have all, well, even if we wanted to like assert ourselves in the South China Sea, Scarborough Shoal, that general area, um, we don't have the resources or the strength for that, and it, and mm -hmm. they we don't have the boats to mm -hmm. even. I mean, to even go there, patrol there regularly. Not even, like, forget Navy. I mean, we don't even, be, I mean, we barely have fishing boats going in there. Um, so that's why they bully us. So I think we have to establish that perhaps they, a partnership or shared, perhaps not equal, but a, what's the word I'm looking for? A equitable relationship? Well, however that may look like. So at the same time, they have the capacity hmm. to harvest whatever or, go there but at the same time that's we need to have a fair cut mm. i mean that's that's where we that's where the stand like fighting back or rising up comes in mm. you know do you think that's possible like just asking for a fair share because technically it's closer to us you know yeah, according think... to international law we have a better claim mm. you have the boats you can harvest but you know it's you need to give us a cut as well and that's the least mm. we do. that's equitable yeah yeah like again if we're going to interact with China. We must look at it from a business perspective. So, mm. so yeah, I, that's one thing about China. China has been focusing more on establishing bilateral relations without any mediating institutions. We decided to go to the international courts. So that's 
something a bit off plan from the Chinese perspective. But if we mm-hmm. are to engage with the Chinese, with Beijing, <clears throat> mm-hmm. we must, again, need to show our strength. That's one mm-hmm. thing. We need to show our strength. Flex if we must. We can blow up boats that uh, go in, going into our waters the way Indonesia mm. and Vietnam does it. Mm. But uh, we need to do something similar to Vietnam and Indonesia. That's just, I think that's my answer. Simple as that. If we mm-hmm. are to bargain, right. if we are to bargain, mm-hmm. if we want to bargain, that's one thing. Do we even want to bargain? I think we do to an mm. extent, but is this government even even willing capable to bargain? Is, do they want to bargain? I don't think they want to bargain. They just want to give the Chinese whatever they want. But uh, mm-hmm. for our case, so yeah, we just there are already examples. Uh, it, it, it mm-hmm. is quite stupid to say that it cannot be done because other countries are already right. doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because come to think of it, a lot of like nationalist, you know, people pushing back, uh, they're complaining to the kowtowing. It, it, the, what they're like, what they're suggesting is like boycotting everything Chinese. But the thing is, like literally, I'd say close to eighty to ninety percent of everything we have is made in China, and <laughs> not just made in China. But I think literally, it, it's embedded in our culture, in our DNA. Like even in today, like you go into an SM, and you see that there's already mm-hmm. Mandarin. Uh, mm-hmm. every, like in Chinese New Year, like there's Mandarin greetings, ni hao, um, guaying. And there's also QR codes, which is originated <laughs> in China. Literally, my God. WeChat can be used here. WeChat Pay can be used. Alipay can be used here. I mean, so yeah. I mean, ec- economically, they're integrating with us. Uh, culturally, like people still do feng shui. They have a statue of Buddha. Even fa- mm-hmm. Guan Yu. People have, not just you, actually. You think you're <laughs> weird. I, I've heard, my co-host right here. As a statue of Guan Yu in his office, which is yep. like a war Chinese war god, but the thing is, he's not alone. Apparently, in some in Naia of all places, there are some. Uh, there's a huge statue of Guan Yu, <laughs> just right there. Perhaps for good luck. So it's funny, you know. It, it's in our consciousness, you know. It's we're part of it. So why not instead of fighting it just for that? Why not simply just make it isolated? You know, it's funny when we when we're mad at some at someone like perhaps they made a mistake in a particular avenue whether it be business then we cut all ties to them <laughs> but why not settle business in the realm of business mm. like don't how you say get pissed at people like at chinese looking people and mm. they walk in the street mm. or you know if like boycotting everything made in china you know that's not realistic mm. i think the best thing to do is instead of like how you say like being a bitter girlfriend and cutting mm. everything off you know uh perhaps like what you said um uh, stand up on your own two feet you yeah. know and assert yourself yep. but it's but rather it's because it's much easier to um it's much easier to simply do that than to how you say ignore everything that connects us with china yeah yeah I do agree with that one. You know, regarding, okay, regarding standing up to the Chinese, uh, we can talk mm-hmm. about it at the level of high politics. Uh, mm-hmm. Manila standing up to Beijing, but you know, at the everyday right. level, this is one thing. Uh, during one of my trips to Vietnam, there again, I went to Da Nang, really good place, really good city outside Ho Chi Minh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a resort city, really nice. Mm-hmm. And again, Chinese tourists are there. Chinese tourists are there. They're making a ruckus in the beach and you have a Vietnamese policeman shouting at them. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Does that happen here? No. No, it <laughs> doesn't happen you, here. Mm-hmm. So even at that level, Vietnam mm-hmm. or the Vietnamese can assert themselves. Why not us? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I think I mean there are instances wherein the Chinese are uh well, they have brushes against the law enforcement here, and there are some people who assert themselves. But I, on the other side, you know, sometimes they're like they even have their own Chinese help desk in the police, yeah. <laughs> and some. And I think one of, one of our mutual friends literally yeah. uh, she had a brush with China uh, in on the road of yep. the, chi- the Chinese driver, and apparently they just let them go. Mm. So if, if that's, I mean, if I, we'll double check that, but. Yeah, it's quite sad. It's it's inconsistent, you know. There are some yes. good cops out there that assert the Philippine law, mm. but the other times, perhaps because they don't want to speak Mandarin or you know, just yeah, even if bothered. Jesus Christ, yeah. the Vietnamese is not using Mandarin to shout at the Chinese. He's using Vietnamese uh-huh. and he's just using body uh-huh. language. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. So. Policemen out there, mga manong police, lumabang kayo para sa Pilipinas. Magkano matakot sa inchik? So yun. Anyway, for our international listeners, I just encourage our uh, our people in blue. Yeah, our great people, our great policemen. You know. So yeah. Um, so um, any other ways to move forward with regards to because right now, uh, it's not exactly fashionable to be. Mm. Sympathetic to China, mm. you know. You and I are actually forced in, in the, into this middle position. You know, we're yep. Filipinos. We have lived in China, and literally, our our, <laughs> our degrees are on the line. Yep. We studied in China, and our degrees are on the line. You know, if no matter how mad we get at China, and believe me, you and I are, get mad at China a lot. Yep. Uh, we can't fully like how you say be bitter, bitter girlfriend or boyfriend <laughs> uh this, you know at the same time it, it, we have a responsibility to be like middlemen to make sure there's equitable relations between mm. both countries in, in our own little way mm. uh, like what we said it's much more beneficial to mm. uh st- strengthen the connection that's already mm. there rather than cut everything off yeah so in in this climate of anti-China sentiment, hmm. what do you think we should do? Like maybe perhaps even to our listeners, makapi ay natin. Yeah, for our listeners. Well, the thing is, in practice, again, never let the Chinese or any mainland Chinese. Right? Again, let's make a distinction. I think that's one thing that right. we need to do. We must distinguish our Filipino Chinese uh, <laughs> brothers and sisters from mainland Chinese. Right. But, uh, again, we must assert ourselves over them. But then again, it's usually mm-hmm. at the hands of the law and law enforcers mm-hmm. do that. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we can do much about it. We can mm-hmm. do our own little thing. If, if they cut in line and shout at them, Jesus, mm-hmm. why be afraid? Now, yeah. I think another step that we can take, and this is something mm-hmm. that may piss off people, and more or less I don't care. Right. I want to piss off people. We must uh-huh. look at China as our model. If China can do it, if China, a poverty-stricken country, harassed by foreigners, having territorial disputes everywhere, Mm -hmm. manhandled by the Soviet Union until they Mm -hmm. break off relations and start more or less one of the leading figures of the Third World Movement during the Cold War, the Non-Aligned Movement. If China Mm -hmm. can do it, the Philippines can. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a change of mentality that we should have 
that mm. I don't, I can't see. I just don't see it in many Filipinos. I, but then again, they, they're not that familiar with Chinese political history. So that's my right. thing. <clears throat> so again, the great other is this mysterious other that you can either hate or love. China can be mm. your model. Right. So change of mentality. Uh, but here's one thing that... Uh... Well, to an extent, I agree with that. But at the same time, you know, China was able to do what it was able to do because mm. it had certain things going for it, like its sheer population, its mm. cheap labor, mm. its, um, how you say, exceptional leadership. I mean, mm. don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, Deng Xiaoping was a reformer, but at the same time, he did, how you say, did some high, they're, they're, uh, controversial they're things. They're exceptional leaders, nevertheless. <laughs> yes. Like, they weren't perfect. They weren't saints yeah. by no means. Um, but you know we, we can learn from them. Like, literally, mm. str- perhaps from the leaders like Deng Xiaoping. Mm. Um, I think that's all I can say. Really, no, the, the, the <laughs> thing is regarding yeah. what you what you said right, a while ago. We also have natural resources. We have a good population. Mm-hmm. We don't have a large population, but we have a young one in comparison mm-hmm. to China right now. And China is preparing for a demographic mm. winter. So mm, we have no, this. That, that is true. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, the, the same, yeah, but at the same time, we have to calibrate it because we do mm. not have one billion people. We do not have cheap labor. We do not have, uh, uh, what do you say, similar kind of resources or systems where well, uh, where we where we can copy. So at the same, we can do it step by step. Well, fair like, enough. Instance, we, one thing we ha- yeah, yeah we one thing that we, we do have in common with them is that we're oddly enough decentralized. Mm. So perhaps if we can strengthen local governance. We They're can strengthen and empower the mayors. And, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's the point. They are also decentralized. We, on way. the other hand, <laughs> are in, in, in a bad way. So, I mean, for some reason, I mean, because there's a, there's a certain kind of competition within China that's mm. more or less productive to their economy. Like, it's mm. up, like they, they, don't, they don't really establish hard laws or processes per se. They simply establish like, quotas. Yeah, and Beijing. as long as you meet a quota to the Beijing or the central government, then you get, how you say, then they, they get uh, merits and demerits depending on your performance. And that's one thing to keep Chinese party in line. They have a strong party system, my God. Yeah, we, <laughs> that's one thing we kind of need in the Philippines. Strong and to an extent It's a way of like establishing, yeah, self-correcting and controlling and hmm. party discipline. I mean, it's, it's a bad word for a lot of China watchers out there, but it has its perks. It ensures mm. that they're not, there's not as much uh, corruption and infighting. Of course, it, it have, they haven't completely eliminated it, but you know that it's more or less kept to a predictable level. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Predictable so, yeah. in the sense so, that uh, if you're corrupt, you must still, <laughs> you must still satisfy quotas. Oh yeah. <laughs> if not, you're so, fucked. I think our professor. Oh, mm, yeah. Regarding mm-hmm. corruption, just to increase uh, the information that the. <clears throat> our listeners have. I think our professor did right. write a paper on it, and right. he said he more or less he studied local government leaders, and right. he found out that corruption levels in China only increase for public officials with no other options for promotion, meaning they're more corrupt when they're about to retire or when. So if you, right. uh, younger officials or officials with uh, better mm-hmm. connections or those who can be promoted, they're less they're, they're less corrupt. They cannot afford right. to be. Well, those who are, mm. well, they're the ones who's just pocketing money for their retirement fund. So that's that's one right. way. Whenever we talk about party discipline, it's not about all members following a single line. It's about mm-hmm. 
each other the, the system correcting itself or having mechanisms to correct its members mm-hmm. so right. just one just one clarification mm-hmm. cuz it's funny like at least they have a clear set of uh, outcomes you know guide or guided by a set of incentives and disincentives yeah um yeah i think you're saying just follow this path and then you'll be able to be promoted yeah. but if you they have no options yeah. but that's, that's one thing that the Philippines have like I think we said in this previous episode that the mm. Philippines has a zero sum game meaning mm. there are, you either win or you lose you know yeah. there is no incentive with for co- coalition building you know mm. or cooperation or uh, partnerships it's just I don't know Kampi kampi ha, like, yeah, know, like coalition just, building uh, in the Philippines. We are ba- we are bandwagoning. <laughs> band what bandwagoning? It's, it's not based on like economic benefits or like proper debating on policies. It's basically following the president is what you're saying with the bandwagon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's no real debate. There's no real healthy competition. It's just it's to the point where you know this pattern in local governments and even like I say national level mm. that uh, whatever policies that your predecessor had they would eliminate it mm. I mean it happens in China but at the same time whatever they works they keep they, they, they keep mm. yeah so thing. instead whatever, whatever that's works. one thing if it's done by your kalaban mo papalitan so yeah uh, that's the unfortunate thing about Philippine politics and I think we need to learn that from China but we mm. need to do what works you know what, what's working <laughs> for them but without being the ass well um, their alleged as a whole self <laughs> now, let's just say uh, the, so, the Chinese are good at adapting practices they're good mm-hmm. at right mani- they're, they're good at modifying things to, to suit their own conditions and I think that is one right. thing that we can learn from the Chinese again the Chinese will not say follow us even mm-hmm. uh, the Chinese would say we're not a model So mm-hmm. you, my argument is against, against China's own disclaimer or Beijing's own disclaimer. Mm-hmm. We're not a model. You're not supposed to. We're not imposing our model on other countries. And you're mm-hmm. right. And they are right. They're not imposing our model. But we mm-hmm. can learn from not only their mentality, mm-hmm. but from how they approach policy problems mm-hmm. and right. probably some practices if it fits. If it fits, again, I, I think that's a disclaimer or a qualif- right. qualifying statement that I would say. We try to emulate China if the practice fits. And it right. will only fit, or we can only say that it, if it fits, if, it, we, if we try it. That's one mm. thing. Right. But before, actually, before we try it, there's one more step that's crucial. Mm. And I think this would, uh, and I think that's to increase or incentivize and mm. promote studying China. You know, because the thing is, how do you know what works and what mm. doesn't work or what can work and what won't work if we don't really study like uh, the Chinese experience? And although we are not a one-to-one comparison, there's a mm. lot of differences between us. Yep. Um, there is, it's still, it's not impossible. Mm. Like what you said, like in the terms of like local government and party discipline there and, you know, maybe even local yeah. democracy. Did you guys know that there, is, there are elections in China and yeah. in the local mm-hmm. level? You know, so yeah, gradually democratizing. That. There, there uh, that's one thing uh, regarding mm-hmm. the notion of if it works, then use it. That also yeah. guided Chinese democratization. So if people would say, "Yeah, China is not democratic." It had democratized at an experimental right. sense, and this mm-hmm. is something new. So right. their democratization is incremental. <laughs> right. Actually, it almost became a f- well. A, there was a huge democratic wave happening in 2009. Mm. 
somewhat just before Xi Jinping arrived. Xi Jinping was actually a, a huge uh, <laughs> factor and it kind of curbed that and controlled that. Uh, so yeah, they were, that's an interesting pattern. But uh, for a long time, like more and more people had a democratic sentiment. So that's yeah. one thing that you should consider. And you would know that if you read more material on China. And oh, I think yeah. that's one thing that we can, you and I both might agree mm. on. Like we need to increase understanding not just in the academic sense, like reading or mm. watching or in educating ourselves mm. about the Chinese experience, but also perhaps in dialogue, mm. talking to each other, you know, uh, perhaps even like even debating, mm. you know, on, on uh, important issues, uh, mm. property debating, not just uh, shouting nationalist epithets or, <laughs> you know, racism, etc. You know, simply just talking to one another. Even perhaps that that'll be a clue or the key in yeah. solving these international problems that we have. So yeah, you agree well, with that. But again, yeah, it takes balls to talk because it mm-hmm. it, it it takes less effort to just nod your head and agree. That's right. One thing that uh, I think that's something that we have lost to an extent. It takes mm-hmm. you know what it takes balls to talk. It's easier to either nod and agree or just shake your head in disagreement. It is harder. It takes more effort. It takes more courage to talk to your enemies. Right. Well, not if, necessarily enemy. Frenemy or, I don't know. Or uh, talk to Frustrated others. ally or others. Uh, there you go. <laughs> to, to, the thing is, if you talk to that great other, that great other is demystified and mm-hmm. that great other loses a part of its power. That's, what, right. that's one thing. If you don't talk to China, if you either, if you either simply disagree forthright Mm-hmm. Or you just agree and nod your head. Right. The power, the mystical power of the great other remains. Ooh. But if you start talking to it, if you start learning more about it, it gets demystified. You know its weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that we got from Shanghai. We, we knew the weaknesses of China's government. Mm-hmm. China is as fragile we- as it looks big right now. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of things work. You know, we learned what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So that's a thing that we benefited from our Chinese education. So yeah. I mean, a lot of people are annoy. We betrayed the Philippines, you know. We are tasked to demystify China. And that's, right. that's something that we did. China is fragile right. right now in economic terms. It's undergoing structural change. Especially in the pandemic. Yeah, and right. it, it has recovered. It has recovered, but uh, it's mm. facing a demographic mm. winter on one hand, some structural changes. Several of its sectors are under threat because labor is moving to the services mm-hmm. and away from agriculture and industry. Uh, mm-hmm. It's politically speaking, we need to thank the constitution for giving us the LGC. <laughs> or we need to thank the oh, local okay. government code for having that one because the China's mm-hmm. central and local government relations are far more fucked up in comparison to ours. And that's one thing else to consider. And I think yeah. it's what, um, uh, so yeah. Uh, and it, I, I suppose you and I can invite our listeners and mm. everyone as much as, and many as possible to start studying China as a means, not necessarily to uh, outright emulate 100%, you know, blindly following them, mm. but again, to carefully study and understand what mm. might work and what doesn't work. You know, and the, like what you said, it's not all. Hmm. Uh, it's not all a walk in the park for them either. Yeah. They have, they still have their problems, yeah. but uh, they are still a world power nonetheless. Yeah, and it, we, it's important to understand. And I think yeah. it's a good way to transition. 
Hmm. Uh, we have a lot of discussion, but I think we can continue some other time. Yeah, but no, for no. now, one, one last uh, point. One last point. One last point. Yeah. Before we move to recommendations. I think one last no, point. No, anyway, go, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead <yeah. laughs> one last point. I'll yeah. modify maybe. Anyway. I'll modify my first argument. I said that China can be our model. I'll modify mm. it. We can be better than no. China. Ooh. Okay. We can, we can be better than China. Big we words. Be, we should strive to be better than China. But you can only mm-hmm. be better if we understand the model first. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and speaking of studying and learning, yep. Uh, now is the time for a special Chinese New Year recommendation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> where we talk about possible supplementary materials that can help you understand our discussion, you know, and push it forward. Uh, what do you have uh, to recommend for us as a scholar and student of China? Uh, I would like to recommend this uh, ube flavored tea koi. <laughs> yes, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, some jasmine tea. <laughs> anyway, tea koi. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, I recommend yeah. the the book uh, "How China's Leaders Think." Ooh, by right. by uh, who? Robert Kuhn. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's an insider's perspective. But again, it that's one thing. The great other, China's this great other. Again, read this book if you find it. I think there are some available on sale. I, I got mm. mine from National Bookstore on sale for 99 pesos, which is it's a good mm. book. Uh, right. Again, be careful about reading it because Robert Kuhn is an insider. He has insider's mm. access to the China's, China's elite. That's one thing. Right. So it's a curious perspective on how national resurgence, how their power, their sense of power, more or less, mm-hmm. has shaped the, the way of thinking for, for many of Chinese elites. And this is an insider's right. perspective. This is not speculation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I recommend mm-hmm. that one. If you do find it, that would be great. Right. And I, I hope uh, it'll be all right if I ask you perhaps mm. one more recommendation. Because uh, I think one thing that's interesting that the leaders might, our listeners might be interested to know mm. is that um, a board over here is actually interested in ancient Chinese knowledge, you know, <laughs> things like Confucius, Lao Tzu, Hao. So I'm, I was curious, like, if you can recommend something from an actual Chinese scholar. Okay, like, okay. What, that you can uh, as, act as a starting point for a lot of okay, our listeners. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll recommend this plain flavored tea coin. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, twice is okay. Twice is fine. Okay, but uh, for starters, uh, Again, it, it's ordinary to simply recommend Confucius or Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. They have their own merits. Fine, you can read them. Mm-hmm. You can read the Analects and Lao Tzu. But uh, if you can find a copy of this, you can read the Shunzi. 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 Yeah. Uh, Shunzi paved the way for the integration of uh, legalistic and Confucian thinking, which more or less un- until mm-hmm. now, until now defines China's approach to justice and legality so yeah so yeah. the shunzi is uh, in, it's in, it, it's integral in understanding how china china's government runs at the level of ideas so what are the ideas running through their own policy making so it's a combination of uh, ruling through law and ruling through virtue so that's shunzi's mm-hmm. main argument yeah and i'm sure a lot of perhaps even law students might appreciate that that how important the law is in governance, you but know, it cannot stand. Yeah, but it cannot stand yeah. alone without virtue. So, mm-hmm. rule of law and rule of virtue. So, mm-hmm. well, Interesting. It's actually a offshoot of Confucianism, am I right? Yeah, it is a deviant case. It's a, de- one, it's a, a deviant, deviant Confucian classic. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that'll be interesting. I actually have my own copy. I haven't really read it yet, but yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very uh, good recommendation from both a contemporary and a classic yeah. uh, Chinese knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, my recommendation is a bit more contemporary and I have uh, three um, mm-hmm. in comparison. The first thing I want to recommend is a book um, by our own Philippine scholar, Carolyn Howe. Uh, her book is The Chinese Question. And I think she provides talk. It's a good beginner's outlook as, as to uh, how Chinese, the Chinese ethnicity or subgroup, you know, has embedded itself in contemporary culture. So it has a bit of history, but all, more on contemporary culture, like how the fact that. So, so we have a lot of contemporary shows like My Bid on the Girl and Mano Po, the what eighth ninth iteration <laughs> the fact that these uh popular culture uh popular culture items are still resonate to this day mm. shows the chinese influence and the fact that you know sm which is originated by a chinese filipino chinese businessman like henry mm. c is a big part of our lives is also worth studying and understanding uh, so yeah a lot of what i've said actually came from that book so perhaps mm. you can check it out the next one is actually a podcast and one of what I consider as the model and inspiration for this podcast, the Seneca podcast. It's hosted by Kaiser Guo and Jeremy and they talk about a lot of things. And I think that book that you mentioned hmm. was actually discussed in one of their episodes. I, uh, but it's talk about all sorts of things like Chinese popular culture, international politics, China and Africa, China and Europe, you know, all sorts. And they've been running for almost like uh, about five to six years. And it's, I still listen to it to this day. And it's one of the main sources and understanding China, con- both contemporary and classical China. They sometimes mm. talk about classical works mm. like The Red Mansion and Three, uh, Romance Kingdoms. of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah. So I, I think I recommended to you this before personally, but yeah, uh, feel free to check it out. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. It is. I suppose if you notice what uh, Kaiser does to Jeremy, I do to Borge. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, literally, it, it's one of my models for be- podcasting. Uh, so shout out to Kaiser and Jeremy out there. I love you guys. <laughs> and, and lastly, and one thing that uh, is a bit more, well, this one is a bit more informal. It's very casual. It's actually a Chinese drama. It's not a, it's not a romance, but Chinese drama. Now, most people talk about Korean dramas and it's a form of like soft power, like like teenage girls mm-hmm. and their mothers are watching China, Korean dramas and they love it. So it's a form of like Korean soft power. China has been trying to replicate that for a long time, mm. but oddly enough, uh, hasn't been, has had mixed results. Like until I discovered in Netflix this fascinating show about esports. We talk about esports, talk about like League of Legends, you talk mm. about um, online games, etc. And this one is uh, called King's Avatar, and it is so good. Like I, it's basically mm. about this ace player that is forced to retire and is now starting from the bottom. He's building up his new team to get revenge on his old team that kicked him out, and it is so good. <laughs> it's it's literally about um, like they talk about strategy. It's as if they are <laughs> they're spouting quotes from Confucius or like, <laughs> the Art of War by. Yeah, by soon, like, yeah, out of war. So it's 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 smart, 
and it has like teenage tween drama. That's, I mean, that's actually minimal. There's barely any romance in it, but there's a hint of it. But the main highlight is esports, which is again, it's big in Asia right now, and it's also <laughs> so it's if you're into video games and kind of like me, like I I get, got back into it. I don't consider myself as a gamer, but I eventually got back into it, especially Genshin Impact, which is again another Chinese influence. Wait, is, is that <laughs> uh, the Chinese? It is, yeah. Yeah, fair. Fair enough. So yeah, that clearly we've been particularly excited about this episode. So I have a lot to recommend. But feel free to check <laughs> at least one or two of them out. So yeah, but I'm actually I this week like it's I've been stressed, but I what helped my stress was watching that Chinese drama. I think I'll watch <laughs> more, but you know. So yeah. <laughs> I'm hipster that way. More people are talking about Korean drama. I'm watching Chinese drama, bitches. All right. <laughs> So yeah, that is our Chinese New Year special. So it's funny. This will be like this is recorded on the eve of Chinese New Year, and it'll be released on the day after. So we're sandwiching <laughs> Chinese New Year, so, so we can all like eat our own tikoi at our own time. Oh, damn it! I <laughs> should get some. <laughs> you have you've been recommending that a lot, actually. That counts. You have four recommendations. Any last words like on uh, Chinese New Year? Well, Chinese New Year. I think uh, mm-hmm. the year of the ox right now, right? Yes. Hopefully uh, everything will be okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, regarding, K, regarding K, uh, K-pop or Korean culture and Chinese culture competing for soft power, in, mm. in Shanghai, Korean mm. mall, they have a Korea mall in, in Shanghai. but and it's a Korea under, town. Yeah, yeah. They have a Korea town and they have a Korea mall, but the Korea mall is underneath the people's Ooh. square. <laughs> Oh, right underneath the center of the ta- city. My yep. God. So yeah. that's uh, the symbol. Symbolic. Mm-hmm. Right. Eh, anyway. Uh... Anyway, so that's it for our Chinese New Year special. We'll be back with more of our content. We'll hope we're in term break, so hopefully we'll create more content for you guys. Yep. So enjoy your tikoi, enjoy your <laughs> dumplings, enjoy your chow king. <laughs> uh, You're not choking yet. I'm going to order this Saturday. <laughs> Oh yeah. Anyway, gong hei fa chai. It's it's really late. All right. Uh, happy Chinese New Year, Jinian Kuala. Uh, until the next episode. Magandang gabi, mga kapi ay. Mm-hmm.